Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text today's message comes from the Gospel of Matthew, as you heard a few moments ago. You may be seated. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, imagine that you are an Israelite back in this time, first century AD. By the time Palm Sunday rolls around, you have at least heard of Jesus because word has spread throughout the land, even to the smallest of villages, about this guy who does exceedingly wonderful things. He preaches the great news of good news, of great joy. He takes those who are blind and gives them back their sight. To those who are lame, he makes them to walk again. Those who are deaf, he gives them back their hearing. I said those who are deaf, he gives them back their hearing. Those who have physical diseases, like lepers, are cleansed. There are some who are dead who have been brought back to life. And hey, on the other side of the street, I think I see one of them. I think that's Lazarus. But one of the craziest things you've ever heard about him, I mean, granted, him raising somebody from the dead is pretty crazy, but what's even crazier is that he forgives sins. And sometimes when he heals people, he doesn't just place his hands on them and say, Be healed! He says, Your sins are forgiven. And that's crazy because only God can forgive sins. And there are some teachers of the law who are none too happy with this guy is that he's just going around and forgiving sins. But hey, if, if he's actually doing something, and it's actually working, well, there must be something special about him. And so if this guy is actually claiming to be God because he's forgiving sins, well, then that certainly is something worth coming to Jerusalem to see. Because you heard that he's going to be showing up here soon. And you don't want to miss your chance to see this man who claims to be the son of David and maybe even God. And the other thing that's worth seeing is because he's coming into Jerusalem. And this is the place of history. This is the city of kings. This is the place where the temple is, where God's people worship him. This is where the throne of David is. And if he is the son of David, well, maybe he's going to take back the throne. And this is significant, too, because the Israelites are not free people, per se. For as long as you and your family can remember, you have been under the control of other empires. And currently, you are under the rule of the Roman Empire. Now, maybe in your hometown, you don't see soldiers very often. They pretty much leave the smaller villages alone as long as you pay your taxes. But here in Jerusalem, a larger city where things are happening more often, as more people travel to the temple, well, the soldiers are certainly more prominent. Oh, and, well, enough about all of that, because Jesus is coming. At least, 
That's what everyone's saying, that he's coming. I can hear some, some shouts in the distance. And they're taking their outer garments and they're laying them in the road and on the street. And, and they're cutting down palm branches and placing them on the street. And, and look, there he is, this big, strong, powerful warrior and this handsome man. Wait, actually, he just kind of looks average. It's not all that attractive at all. I mean, if he didn't have all these people following him, I don't, I don't think I'd notice him. I mean, he's in pretty good shape for a carpenter. That and the fact that he's coming into the city riding a donkey? Seems a little strange. I mean, I would have thought he'd be riding this giant war horse because that is a noble steed, not some donkey. Nevertheless, the people are certainly excited about this average-looking guy who's riding a donkey. Then again, I, I do remember there was something in the scriptures a little bit that, you know, I think King David, as he was pretty close to death, he tells the people to anoint his son Solomon as king. And, well, what does Solomon ride to be anointed? David's very own mule. So, I mean, maybe there is something to this whole donkey thing. And if this guy, Jesus, really is a descendant, a son of David, okay. In fact, I feel like there was a prophet that mentioned something about a king coming to us riding on a donkey. So if this guy is the new king and he's riding on a donkey, well then, more power to him. Because he's right on with scriptures. But I mean, just, just look at him. He's just average, just normal, looks like everybody else. I'm not really sure why I need Jesus. But there's plenty of people that are really excited about him because they're shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna. It's a pretty big word. It means help us. Help us now. Save us. Save us, please. They really believe that this guy is something special. So if he's coming as a king, and he's taking back the throne, where's his army? I mean, I don't see anybody except a few followers trailing behind him. Or is this some, some kind of trickery? You know, maybe, maybe the donkey is really like a Trojan horse. He's going to fool everybody, think he's a nobody, and then bam, King Jesus. There he is. He's going to take out the Romans. Or maybe at least he's going to lead a revolt for the people to take out the Romans. Maybe, but I mean, others are saying that, well, he's just merely a prophet. This Jesus of Nazareth. So I'm not really sure what to make of him. I mean, plenty of people are saying how great he is, and they're telling of all of his mighty acts. But I haven't seen it with my own eyes. So I'm not sure what to make of it. I mean, time will tell on this guy. We'll see how the situation plays out. I'll keep a close eye on him. I'll follow him around, see if there's anything else worth mentioning that happens. I'd like to hear him speak. Maybe perform some of those famous miracles. I mean, it would be pretty cool to see someone raised from the dead.
Now let's fast forward to today. Today you are you. And you're hearing some of the same things in the gospel reading, except you're not there. You don't see it. You can't feel it. You can't reach out and touch Jesus' garment or pet his donkey. There's nothing special about him that draws you to him. I mean, sure, you've heard the reports about him, the miracles that he's performed, the good news that he's preached. But what does it all mean for you? Why do you need Jesus today on Palm Sunday? As the kids came in this morning, we created a, a little of Jesus' entrance. The coats, the palm branches, the hosannas that we sang. And hosannas still apply to us today. Help us. Help us now. Save us. Save us, please. Help us from what? Save us from what? Take a look at your life. What would you like to be saved from? Where in your life do you want a miracle? How about your terminal illness? How about that secret sin that you're struggling with that no one else knows about? How about the unhealthy relationship that you're in? How about just having a relationship? How about being able to conceive a child? How about family members that have left the church or even the faith? How about your unemployment, your university applications, getting your household in order, your eating habits, your workout routine, or lack thereof. What do you want Jesus to do for you? And you see, therein lies part of the problem. We treat Jesus just like any other service in the world. He's like the UPS. What can he do for us? What do we want from him? The other side of that is if, if the answer is nothing, that we have no use for him, that we don't want anything from him, then there's no reason to believe in him. And hearing about him on Palm Sunday doesn't do anything for us. Doesn't mean anything for us. Today is just another day that isn't worth celebrating. And if we don't believe in Jesus, our shouts of, Hosanna to the Son of David, might as well be shouts of, Ho, ho, ho. Because then we believe in them the same, which is not at all. The people who were there with Jesus wanted something from him. They wanted a political warrior someone to come and claim the throne of David, someone to trample the tyranny of the Romans, someone to defeat their enemy. Which is funny because he did come to defeat their enemy. It just wasn't the enemy they thought they had. And that's because Jesus cares more about what you need than what you want. Sure, Jesus is a miracle worker. 
He can heal all of your afflictions. He can fix all of your broken relationships. But that doesn't mean he will. Because it's not necessarily something that you need. Jesus cares about what you need. Why do you need Jesus? Because he cares about what you need. So what do we need? The same thing that the people of Israel in Jerusalem needed. We need someone to defeat our enemy. And the enemy is sin, death, and the devil. We're all sinners. We have been born into sin. We are born with a sinful nature that has been passed down to us through our parents, from our first parents, Adam and Eve, when they first disobeyed God, when they chose to do what they wanted for themselves rather than what God wanted for them. They wanted the desirable fruit that the devil had tempted them to eat. God wanted them to have a perfect life. But in their eating, they brought sin into the world. And since that day, we have become selfish individuals who focus on our own wants rather than what God wants for us. We take our own path because we think that we know better than the Almighty God. We make ourselves the center of our own lives, the most important thing that there is. And we neglect all of the things, all of the blessings that God wants to give us, the things that we actually need. Because we have decided that we don't need God, or that we only need him when we want something from him. And along with sin, death has been brought into the world. Why do bad things happen to us? Sin. Why do we get sick? Sin. Why do we struggle with people and relationships? Sin. Why do we have so much conflict? Sin. Why do we ultimately die? Sin. We will all face physical death one day. But the other death that was brought into the world by sin was eternal death, condemnation, damnation, hell. What all of us deserve for our sin is eternal separation from God. And that's exactly what Satan wants for us. And that's why he continues to tempt us to sin, to continue to lead us astray away from God, because he wants, what, what he, he wants us to have what we have, what he has. He wants us to have what he has. And that's why he wants us to doubt and to turn away from God and to not believe. And the reason why we need Jesus is because we cannot save ourselves. We cannot do anything about our sinful condition. We cannot do anything about our punishment and the consequences for our sins. We cannot prevent our death. And that's why we need Jesus. We need him to save, to rescue, to help, to deliver us from sin, death, and the devil. And as he enters Jerusalem and the people shout, Hosanna, save us! And if you were there in Jerusalem, you would see Jesus make eye contact with you. 
and he would speak to you these words, maybe not verbally, but maybe with his eyes, he would say, I am. Jesus, help us. I am. Jesus, save us. I am. He was in Jerusalem not to give the people what they want, but to give them what they need. He was in Jerusalem to give each and every one of us what we need. Not to be the earthly conquering king to save them from the Romans, but to be the humble king riding on a donkey. And as humble king, he would forego a golden crown and instead wear a crown of thorns. He would take his place, not upon the throne of David, but he would take his place upon the cross. And he did it because it's what we needed. He was the sinless son of God, the great I am, the king who rides on a donkey to save his people by dying for them. Maybe you were there in Jerusalem following Jesus because you wanted to witness a miracle. Well, on the cross, you got it. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Your helper, your savior, there he is. Jesus, save us. I am. Not what you expected, not what you wanted, but what you needed. You came to Jerusalem hoping you might see someone raised from the dead? Just wait three days and you got it. It's Jesus, your helper, your savior. There he is, alive, because sin, death, and the devil have no power over him. Jesus, save us. I have. Not what you expected, not what you wanted, but what you needed. Because in him, in his death and his resurrection, you have the forgiveness of sins. You are rescued from death and the devil, and you have eternal life by God's grace through faith, and it's all a gift from him. Maybe you came today because you wanted to witness a miracle. Well, you're in luck because you got it. Here in baptism, little Nora, right here, before all your very eyes, was washed with the water and the word she has the forgiveness of sins. Today, the dead are raised because she was baptized into Christ's death and resurrection. The Holy Spirit is at work in her life. She has the gift of faith. And today, you all have heard the word. You've heard the forgiveness of your sins proclaimed. Salvation is yours through Christ by faith. And the Holy Spirit is at work in you to give you the gift of faith, to strengthen it. And with faith comes the promise of eternal life, eternal life that only comes through Jesus. And that's why we need him. 
and not just today. We need Jesus today and every day. And the good news is, he's always with us because he knows what we need. Amen. And now the peace of God which passes all understanding. Guard your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen. As we look ahead to this holy week, come and join us further on this journey as we continue to see why we need Jesus. So join us on Monday, Thursday as he celebrates his supper with his disciples, as he prays in the Garden of Gethsemane. Come with us on Good Friday as we follow him to the cross where he lays down his life for us, for the entire world. And finally, join us on Easter Sunday. Come and step inside the empty tomb and see that Jesus is not dead, that he is alive.